your your business is a grain of salt, a sand on the beach, take 50% of that beach away. Let's say you got a 100-yard beach, you take 50% of that away, you got a 50-yard beach. Well, your your business is still completely non-existent compared to the overall market, right? And so I really want agents to understand that, you know, sure there's less transactions for the overall market, but that doesn't mean there's not room for you to go out and double, triple your business. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, I think you guys are in for a treat. I think this is going to be a fun interview. This is a guy that's been on the show at least a couple times before I, I was the host when, when it was getting interviewed by... Pat Hyben, and I was thinking about how I wanted to introduce him right now, and I just so I just pulled up his Instagram. So the Ricky Caruth has you know, two hundred twenty-eight thousand followers on Instagram. Twenty-year real estate agent, a billion in sales, been coaching agents, um, you know, doing all sorts of stuff out there. And so the jack of many trades right now, and the um, and I'm just I'm, we're ready to have a fun conversation. How's it going, man? Good, man. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm 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 glad to have you come on and the and be able to we we interact a lot with video and I'll do my videos and you'll see them you'll do your videos and you see them and now this is like real life like real yeah. re real time interactions out there so the so you've been a real estate agent for a long time and the world has changed a lot in that time but can you remember why you got into real estate 20 years ago what like how that story started. Yeah, so uh, it was 2002 when I got my license, and um, yeah, I grew up roofing houses with my father. Um, he had a roofing business and stuff, and I went to college. I went to four different schools in two years. I flunked out of a history class at the University of Alabama, and um, dad decided to try, try real estate. And uh, so I didn't know if I really wanted to do it or not. You know, I took the class, and like, honestly, I thought that once you got your license, it was kind of like a on your driver's license or something like you could sell real estate your whole. I didn't realize there's fees, there's continued ed, like you have to find a broker and it's like a real thing. So when I learned all that in the class, I was like, oh, man, I don't even know if I want to do this. You know, like I don't know what I signed up for here. But um, at the end of the day, uh, I didn't want to roof houses forever. So yeah, it was kind of a combination. Honestly, it was I know I didn't want to roof and, you know, take over the roofing business for dad. And I also wanted to, I had a really huge desire to help other people. Um, and so my thought was to get into helping first-time homebuyers. That was kind of my first thought right off the gate. And I live in Gulf Shores, Alabama, which is right on the beach in Alabama. Like the Florida beach, the beaches expand and, and stretch across, you know, come into Alabama for a good 40 miles. And so there's all kinds of beautiful white sandy beaches, palm trees, million dollar condos. And so I, I, this is where I grew up. And so I, I got kind of caught up in selling condos, kind of lost sight of the first time home buyer thing. And um, that's kind of been my niche, you know, ever since I've sold, I've sold commercial and, you know, multifamily and vacant land and plenty of single family homes and stuff like that. But my bread and butter was always Gulf front condos. Um, 
vacation condos, Airbnb, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, no, I got in because, you know, it kind of solved a problem of roofing forever, right? Plus it was one class, get your license instead of going to college for 10 years, you know, to become a doctor or lawyer and still have the same opportunities, actually better opportunities because, you know, doctors and lawyers are pretty, I don't know. I don't know how much freedom they do or don't have, honestly. So I can't speak on that, but but I feel like real estate agents have more freedom than a doctor or a lawyer. I would, I would imagine. Um, but, um, but yeah, it, it's a, hey, thank God. But if you really want to hear the rest of the story, it took me eight months to get to my first sale, which is not much different than a real estate agent now, honestly. So that hasn't changed much, even though technology is and communication has come so far. Um, but there was no Facebook, there was no Zillow, there was no, apps the iphone wasn't even i don't believe you know created yet um and so it's cool because i'm young enough to where i'm actually millennial i'm like the oldest millennial in the world but it's cool because i'm kind of in that right in the middle where like i had to build my business on phone calls direct mail and email and you know but i'm young enough to understand technology where now i'm you know really crushing it on social and so I think that's what makes me a really dangerous agent slash influencer slash coach slash entrepreneur, whatever, is that I understand both sides of it. Right. I grew up roofing houses. I built my business cold calling and now I'm crushing on social. So I've kind of done all the stuff, you know, that that really most people only get one of. Right. Most people only get the hard work, you know, education from working hard. and They do that their whole life. You know, some people do the cold calling thing and they they never get into social. Some people just do social and they never experience the other two hard manual labor versus cold calling. So I'm pretty fortunate because I've experienced all of those and I'm able to kind of use that, you know, in my businesses today. Um, but, yeah, I, I was 20 years old. It's 2002. Um, uh, you know, if you if you go back and look, the market exploded a lot like it did over the past couple of years during that time. And I was thrown into this market where prices were escalating 5% a month or more. And um, people could literally make six figure selling a house they bought, you know, four months ago. And so that, that's the market I was thrown into, right? I was born into. Um, and so I could make 10 phone calls, right, to somebody and say, who wants to make 100,000 or 200,000 a day? Somebody would take me up on that offer. I would list the property, sell it in 24 hours. They would get their money and and we would part ways because they weren't going to rebuy in a market that was 200,000 more. They took their money off the table and they were going to, you know, run for the hills. And so I didn't have to develop relationships. I could just make 10 more calls and sell another condo and make 20, 30 grand. And so I was that that's the way I thought real estate was done. You know, you call, you make 30 grand, you know, you don't you never talk to that person again. You make some more calls, you make 30 grand, so on and so forth. So I made a lot of money. You know, I was making a million. I made about a million dollars. I took that money. I started flipping houses. You know, the market was escalating. I was flipping, flipping, flipping. I was leveraging on those flips. And when the market crashed, I lost everything. Right. So I went from millionaire overnight in my early 20s to bankrupt, homeless, sleeping in my car, sleeping on friends' couches, eating out of people's refrigerators. Um, all that stuff really overnight. 
went back to roofing houses, eventually landed a job on an oil rig. I did that for a year in 2007. In 2008, I got back in real estate. I was laid off from the oil rig and I was kind of forced back in real estate. And what was cool is my buddy that showed me a lot of stuff in 2002 to learn how to find property owners and what to say and phone numbers and direct mail. He sold like 30 properties in 2006, you know, or 2000, yeah, 2006 when I was roofing houses, fixing to go on the oil rig. He sold 30 properties and I, no, I didn't sell anything between January 2005 and May of 2008. Zero properties. I was roofing and working on an oil rig. So <laughs> I went to his house and I was like, hey, how'd you sell all these properties, man? And it was funny because back in the day, 2002, he, he showed me phone calls, emails, and postcards. And so that night I went to his house. He's come over, have dinner. I'll show you everything I'm doing. We sat down and what did he tell me? Phone calls, postcards, and emails. Nothing had changed at all. He's just continuing to reach out, build relationships. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, shit, closings happen every single day, no matter what the market's doing. Yeah. Right. That, that, was, that was one of the big things I learned through the crash was that closings never stop. Closings are still happening. They may fluctuate here or there, but they're never going to go to zero. Neither are prices, right? And we get paid on commissions. All we need is transactions to happen. Um, so that was the first thing I learned. And, and the light hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh, I think I can. I think I'm getting some. I'm like, because I, I really wanted to learn why I lost everything. Yeah. I'm the most honest, hardworking, dependable person I know. Like, wh where did I go wrong? Why am I sleeping in my car? And then um, the next thing I learned was one day I was looking through county records and stuff because I was still. The only thing I kept bill-wise was my cell phone and my real estate license. I kept paying whatever I needed to to keep those two things. I didn't have a car note. I didn't have a, a rent, utilities, insurance, nothing. Um, and so I could still study MLS and stuff. But I realized that some of my clients that I represented when the market was hot, they were still buying and selling at the bottom. They were selling bad assets and buying good assets at cheaper prices. And I was like, damn, I could have I, if I would have maintained a relationship with those people, then I could have been the agent that represented them on those deals. And I thought, man, there it is. Closings happen every day. And if I put relationships over transactions in every single scenario and build my brand with everyone, build the largest name in town, then I'm never going to lose. Because when I lost everything, man, I was like, okay, you know, when I figure this out, I'm going to figure it out in a way that I'm never going to lose everything ever again. You know, like I'm going to build something that's going to sustain any market swing or anything. So I got back in 08. I made, I made 80 grand. And I was making 40 on the oil rig. So I was like, shit, I doubled. <laughs> I doubled last year's income. Yes. You know, like, yeah. boom, I'm not on an oil rig. I'm selling real estate and I'm making twice the money. This is incredible. The next year I made 100. And then 2010 hit. 2010 was the BP oil spill. So I'm right on the beach, right on the Fort Alabama line. So like that was a mini recession for us yeah. where, yeah, like, Real estate agents were leaving leaving our area, going to Birmingham and Atlanta. You know, everybody thought it was going to be Black Seas. They were showing the the films of the the, the videos of the uh, the Alaskan, you know, one with the oil washing up on the shore and you know the sea lions and stuff. It's it's horrible, and uh, none of that happened. By the way, we did have a few tar balls washed up, but 
it scared everybody and it made some sellers dump their properties at cheap prices and real estate agents leave. And I was like, okay, guys, in the office, I remember I was like, let's just stay calm, stay in touch with your people, right? See what you can do to help them through this. If they're looking to sell, if they want to dump, if they want to buy, because they, they know there's going to be some deals, what, what do they want to do? Because on a market shifts, it's either property owners can only have three choices. They either want to buy because things are going to be cheaper. They want to sell because they have to, they're in trouble, or they're just going to hold. So when things go bad, you call out every every property in the area and say, hey, you know, you see the market, what do you want to do? Are you buying? Do you want to buy because it's going to be cheaper? Are you looking for deals? You want, you're going to sell because, you know, you need to because of the market, or are you just going to ride this thing out and see where it goes? Either way it goes, you know, do you have an agent you're going to work with? You know, I'd love to help you with whatever it is you're trying to do when that when that time comes. I'd love to work with you, right? Get their information, weekly email, boom, you're in the game. But I made 150 in 2010, which was 50% more than 2009. Made 100,000, then 100. So in this mini recession, everybody's leaving the market, sellers are dumping their properties. I make 50% more money. And that's when I was like, boom, I got this because... I realized that everything that I learned through the 2008 deal, that I, I the mindset that I created would carry me through any market. And I was like, here we go. I'm, I'm in. I'm in the game. Went to Remax. Um, by 2014, I was the number one Remax agent in Alabama. I did that two more years. So I sold 100 properties a year, single agent, one assistant for eight years in a row. Last year was the last year for that. This year, I've stepped out of production. My dad's handling the day-to-day -day on that while I build these other businesses. And um, yeah, that that's, I mean, there's a lot more to it, but that gives you and, and your audience a really good idea of kind of what I went through, what I've been through and kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Buchastegui and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans on Follow Up Boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow Up Boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, Call Action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to Follow Up Boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Rivity, Sync. I've looked at Boomtown like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown, I've used Line Desk, I've used Conversion, and I think Follow Up Boss gives you the most integrations that are simple and it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform yet at the same time it's still affordable i do like follow-up boss better just because it you can text from the app and things like that it's just a little more convenient for me um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list based, that's fine. If I want to go task based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race to follow up boss. Purely objective. 
Follow-up boss has been the best one that we've found. Now I've used follow-up boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. I based on the timing of your story and your journey, there really has been so much that happened through then. I grew up on a on a my dad was a home builder, right? He was a custom home builder, so I was a laborer and I so I was framing houses and do other doing other work and stuff like that too. And got into real estate in, you know, in, in 03, started building houses for a big home builder in 05, and I like graduated from at the height of the housing boom and I got to go do that and by the time 07 hit like all of a sudden like foreclosures were starting and this weird mm-hmm. stuff was starting in Sacramento. And so I was in Northern California when all of that hit and it was, you know, very similar where I went, went to zero a couple times because things were going really, really good. And all of a sudden it went to zero and the, and the home builder got put out of business. That was when I, I when I first built my, you know, foreclosure buying business in 09 and the, and we opened a brokerage and my wife became my brokerage where we would buy them, fix them and sell them. And we got to, you know, and during that time, it was really crazy because in these weird cycles that we're in right now, we're in a weird cycle and you're on social media and you're encouraging people the same thing that you've been saying during this. We're in this weird cycle where a shift happens. It's not necessarily business as usual, but in some cases it can be. It depends on the type of business or maybe you've got to pivot a little bit. Mm-hmm. But just like huge opportunities happen in times like these because in 08, my wife wasn't an agent right? Like she wasn't an agent in Sacramento and there was another agent that had the highest amount of volume. And by end of 2010, she was an agent in her like second year and she was the biggest agent in Sacramento County and doing the most transactions. And, and by 2012, 2013, she wasn't anymore either, right? Because it was like in these cycles, weird opportunities happen and new people come in. Other people, I love hearing as you talked about in 2002, like it was the same business plan, Back mm-hmm. then we had Microsoft Excel was mm-hmm. as good as you were going to get at being able to track or, you know, people talked about having like the note cards that they would like write, put it back into the different stack. And so as technology's gotten better, your real estate principles are the same. Your methods yeah. are the same. And when I love where you say transactions happen every day, cause it's true. Mm-hmm. And even if you have to pivot, I was looking, I was just looking at this chart from Sacramento. I live in Austin, Texas now. In Sacramento, as you were saying, your years in 07, you know, median sold price was 400,000 in July of 07. And by November of 08, it was 200,000. So price has gone from 400,000 to 200,000. But then during that time, it went from 13 months of inventory down to like four months of inventory. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like transactions are happening, different things kind of make stuff jump. And there's, there's less transactions happening, but they're happening. So, ha- so it's like trying to figure out how people, you know, can, can well, get they're that. happening by the truckloads, right? So, one thing to understand for agents is that your individual business is literally a microscopic dot in the in the entire scheme of the industry. Even when you break it down to your local market, 
right? So like the top agent, you know, that probably has like 30 people on their team, they probably have at the end of the year, transaction wise, 1% of market share or less than 1% or maybe a little more than 1% or somewhere around there. And when you, and that's a 30 agent team and you look at an individual agent, a new agent, let's just say, for example, you know, uh, you know, the, the, their market share in terms of transactions is so minute, it's not even visible. It's, it's a grain of sand on the beach. Um, and so, so for even in an, you know, like your, your business is, let's just say a beach, right? And your, your business is a grain of salt, a sand on the beach. Take 50% of that beach away. Let's say you got a, a hundred yard beach. You take 50% of that away. You got a 50 yard beach. Well, your, your business is still completely non-existent compared to the overall market, right? And so I really want agents to understand that, you know, sure, there's less transactions for the overall market, but that doesn't mean there's not room for you to go out and double, triple your business, right? You can double and triple your business. Um, and one thing to understand about down markets is that all the really top producers, if you really pay attention, they'll all tell you the same story that, they came out of the ashes of a down market and, and what they did during the down market is what propelled them to be that top agent. Okay. So like for me, for example, 2008, that's when I got back in the business. And what I did in 2008, 9, 10, 11 is literally the reason why by 14, I was selling a hundred properties. The, the hundred properties didn't come because of what I did in 14 or even 13 or 12. It's what I did at eight, nine, 10 and 11 during those down years. That's why, because the, the foundation I built of people in my market who knew who I was. And so the next part about market share is that it, in my mind, it's not how many listings you have or closings you have compared to the rest of the market. It's how many property owners in your market know who you are, that you've talked to, that you have a somewhat of a relationship with, that you're remarketing to, that you've gave a great first impression to. Right. And that there's a good chance they're probably going to do business with you. You know, maybe, maybe not, but you're putting your name in that hat. And the more hat, the more hats you have your name in, then the more deals you're going to do, the more times your name is going to get pulled, you know, from the hat when they decide who they're going to use as a real estate agent. So think of market share as property owners in the market. Right. And, and whatever agent has the highest percentage of relationships with those property owners in your market, that's who owns the market. I don't care if they're doing 10 deals a year, right? And, and another agent's doing 200 deals a year, right? But the guy doing 10 deals a year is, you know, is surpassing this year number of relationships in the market with property owners. And they're remarketing to these property owners through weekly emails and social media and different things. I'm going to put my money on the 10, 10 deal a year agent who is building relationships at a far, you know, faster pace than the agent that's selling 200 deals. I mean, they're dead in the water. If they're not continuing to try to grow their influence, they're going to be stuck at that 200 deals forever. And that's the cool thing too. Once you build your in income up to the level that you want and say you're doing 200 deals, that's where you want to be. You don't want to go to 300. You can literally live off your database at that point because your database got, you know, your data, but your, the work you did to build your database got you to that point. Now you can live off the database and maintain that level. That's why you see agents who, are doing 150,000 a year and they do 150 every year, every year, every year, every year. You know, they want to get to 250, want to get to 300, but they're just stuck at 150. Well, why? Well, if you dissect their business, you can see they're not prospecting. They're not, they're not doing anything to grow their influence and grow their database.
right? They're just basically living off their past kinds of referrals. Like they did a bunch of work in the beginning to get it to 150, and then they shut the prospecting switch off, and now they're just coasting on that, and it's a mirage because they're doing deals, and they feel like they're going to break through in a minute, but when you're living off your database, you're just maintaining. You have to grow your database to see the exponential growth, and that's where a lot of agents kind of misconcept with market share, which is what you were saying with fewer transactions. Who cares if there's fewer transactions in the market? That, 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 that means so little to you and your business, it's not even funny. Um, you know, this is a relationship acquisition game, and uh, the transactions are going to fluctuate with the market a little bit. But if you want to go out there, and let's just say we're going to have a down net year next year, which most everybody's predicting we're going to have 4.5 million transactions or something for existing home sales versus 5 million this year and 6 million last year. Um, even though we're going to be down, you know, is what everybody's saying. Um, you have to take all the predictions with a grain of salt. But even in a down year like that, you can go out and double, triple your business, you know. But you, if you get caught up in the media hype that things are down and, you know, you kind of, your, your actions kind of line up and, are, you know, kind of, Correlated to you know <laughs> with this negative. That's another thing, man. The 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 media is really disappointing me through this. Our media is driven by clicks. How many clicks can we get? It's not driven by how can we provide people with the information that's going to help them. It's driven by how much engagement and clicks can we get on this headline. That's yeah. super disappointing, man. Real estate rock stars, this is Aaron Muchastegui. Thank you for letting me interrupt for a second. I've got something really, really important to talk about. You know how last year we kept talking about that mastermind? What is the mastermind? What are we talking about with that mastermind? Last May, there was like 60 or 70 people of you listeners that had never met, flew out to Austin, Texas. We all hung out at this awesome event center and we spent a couple days with some great guest speakers talking about skills and strategies to succeed in real estate. And then we had these mastermind tables where everyone rotated, everyone got to meet everybody, everyone got to provide value. Some of the agents there had only done one or two deals ever. Some of the agents there had done hundreds of deals and they all got to interact and help each other build their business and build their strategies. And I've heard so many stories of friendships that came from that, of referrals that have come from that. There were six or seven people at that one that heard me talk about doing an Ironman and we all did an Ironman together in, in North Carolina last month and we had never even met before the podcast live so the it was it's, it's been such such a cool experience the i would love it for you guys to come today's march 6 through 8 sign ups right now go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind we also have a room block set up it's three days downtown austin great really cool hotel really cool uh, convention center that we're going to be hosting it and we're gonna get a chance to i can't wait to meet you guys i can't wait for you to meet other listeners i can't wait for you to develop these new interactions and really what we're teaching yeah last year was like how do you make a business better but the market was just starting to turn and i was trying to give some people some advice of what to do when it when it was happening now it has turned and this time we're gonna be talking so much about how to pivot and what to do next so uh, again i hope you signed up for the mastermind sorry for such the long advertisement but i can't wait to meet you ibendigital.com forward slash mastermind Yeah, there's been, I mean, the news all over the place. It's been a problem the last several years of where can we just get accurate news? Where can we get accurate so we can make decisions? Because during, 
Yeah, in real estate, it's really easy to say like, well, let's see how many months, like, let's see, let's see what the average days in the market are. Let's check out the zip code. Let's like do this. The stats are there. So you can say like, okay, this zip code is performing better than that, that zip code. That's like being able to use news to make decisions and the news that we get, it's so tough to make decisions. You know, I like, I like your point about how mark, however many transactions are happening doesn't matter because you don't need to have a high percentage of that. You just need a higher percentage of the transaction shares that you had last year. And if there was, you know, a thousand transactions last year and you did 10 and there's 500 this year and you do 11, you've done a huge percentage change or something like that. So some people right now, I'm getting a lot of questions that people message me on Instagram. And one of the recent ones was somebody's trying to figure out if they should, and, and really you're saying, hey, in my town now, there's only 80 transactions a month the last month, which, and it used to be 400. So it dropped down a yeah. lot. It's, 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 and yeah. they're, so they're saying, should I double down on my current stuff and be patient? Like mm -hmm. just do my open houses, do my door knocking, do my same plan and knowing that I'm building market share. And when the market comes back, I'm going to fly. Or should I expand and actually like add in new cities, new counties, new zip codes? So geographically, should I spread? Because they're trying to figure out if I need transactions now, the only way I can actually see more is go wider. What do you think about that? Is going wider better than going deeper? Is it is it both? Do you think it matters? Depends on the town and the population, and how, you know how far these geographical areas are. If the if the next geographical area that you're expanding to is you know five minutes away, and you know that's that's fine. You know if we're talking forty five minutes away, then that's a different story. You have to kind of evaluate that because what you do is you're setting yourself up for driving time and efficiency, you know? So like for me, um, you know, generally speaking, it's like, okay, call property owners. Well, which ones do we call? Well, call property owners that own property that it's in the average price of the market that's close to you, closest to you geographically. So now you're setting yourself up for the highest income per hour, right? So it's, it's, it's the properties are gonna sell the quickest for the most amount of money. Once you go way above the average price, it, take, it tends to, takes longer to sell stuff under that you're making less money right there at the average price you're getting your best bang for your buck as far as our ROI on your time and then if you if you look at something that's close to you geographically where you work now you're cutting down in your driving time as well and now you're being super efficient and you're making you're trying to maximize dollar per hour um, you know there's a lot of factors you know I'd have to understand more about the market and this or that but to, to answer your question just generally speaking um, you know, we're going to double down on what, what's working. So what you want to do right now is, is pick out the two or three things that's working really well out of the, you know, seven you're doing and get rid of four of those things that aren't working that great and spend a hundred percent of your time on the three things that are really working well. And yes, you want to expand the market share of people and know who you are and get ready to ride them, expand with the market. See, this is why the, those big top producers that, you know, really made it when the market, you know, had a downturn It's because they put this foundation in place, like as I did, they put this foundation in place, really grinded it out to make sure everybody knows who I am, what I do, and that I'm here to help. And then as the market re-expanded, which happens 110% of the time, your business explodes with the market expanding. And so that's what it is. Um, you know, you want to put your, you, you, whoever asked that, has their head on straight with thinking about putting yourself in position to expand with the market. When you think about transactions today, 
that that creates some that creates a lot of cloud because now you're thinking short term and that's a dangerous game to play you know you know if you're if you if, you know, if he's maximized the amount of relationships he can create in his local market where he's at then it might be a conversation to expand but i doubt anyone has maximized the amount of relationships they can build right under their nose so i would stay right where i'm at if the price point is good and um, and all that, I would double down on what I'm doing. I would build influence. I'm going to close a lot of deals by doing that as a byproduct. But but I love what they said about get ready to expand with the market because that is where the real top producers in each market. That's how they do it. You know, they set themselves up for their business to expand with the market. Like right now is nothing. Like dude, we're going to have positive appreciation this year. Right. And and I believe we're going to have positive appreciation next year, year over year, positive appreciation the, the year after the worst prediction is down two percent next year. Everybody else is up. Fannie Mae, Mortgage Bankers Association, NAR, uh, Realtor.com. You look at all of them. They're all calling except for the except for, I think, one or two that are saying we're going to have maybe a one or two percent decrease in price, you know, appreciation year over year. That's crazy considering, you know, how massive of a crash everybody's, you know, trying to make this thing seem, but we're not even going to lose any appreciation, any equity. Um, you know, yeah, we've lost 10 to 15 percent from June to now, but we're going to end up the year positive And we haven't even we've barely scratched the surface of losing the gains that we've that we've gotten since March 2020, beginning of the pandemic. Like this market's insane, insanely good for everyone. Right, like next year, realtors can go out there and triple their business uh, straight up. Like if you want it, go get it. If you just, you know, want to sit around and complain, then that's cool too. You're the same ones that were complaining about no inventory and you know too much competition on listings last year. For the for the investors, rents are sky high. Um, they're not coming down anytime soon. Um, if they do come down, it's going to be a tad. And um, there's now you're seeing some pretty decent deals. I think the big play next year, honestly, is big commercial multifamily that are sitting on these adjustable rate mortgages that are running up against these higher rates. I think that's where the actual play is going to be over the next 6, 12, 18, 24, 36 months. Uh, I'm gearing up for that, by the way. But for buyers, buyers are buying houses to live in them. They're not buying them to flip them. And they're buying them to, to, to keep, to live in, to enjoy. We know we know what we're going to be pretty flat next year. Up, you know, we're going to be up, up, and up. Like prices are going up over the next five, ten years. You're in good shape, and sellers are still getting amazing prices, dude. We're fifty-two percent of listings right now are going at or above uh, listing price. Still, fifty-two percent at or above listing price for the properties that are selling. You know, there's a lot of sellers that that are out there at overpriced because they're still dreaming, but that's even coming to a head. Right. So it's just a really cool market. And I just wish that agents and even buyers and sellers could see it for what it is, um, you know, and not be so scared and so skittish about the situation. Because, you know, fundamentally, this is, you know, what the banks did regulation wise after 2008 is a big reason why we're in such good shape right now. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see the year over year stats.
because we've seen big corrections, big decreases in Texas since like, you know, April, May to now. But, it, you know, probably May was probably our peak prices. Our prices are down a lot from then. But it's important to look at year over year because they probably still are up over December last year. And then and being able to see over the next year what will balance out with some of that as buyers come back in the market. What was it like during like March and April of 2020 where you're at? Because the, you know, because it sounds like, you, you know, early on in your career, you realize like you quit real estate to go do roofing and you real and then, and, and, and then you're like, I shouldn't have quit. That's the same conversation I had with my brother you know, at, um, where recently we, we were doing so good in, in, you know, in 2012, he decided to, you know, we were flipping houses, doing good. And then it was like, man, this isn't working. Let's go do something else. And he said, man, if I would have just stayed doing that and dug in, the people that stayed, it turned out great. So you've gone through this, and now, so when COVID hit, were, was it the same? Was it more extreme? Was it less? I know every state and city was different, like it is today too. But like March and April, were you still? Did you have that same mindset? Yeah, no. When this hit, um, you know, I adopted all this, all these philosophies when I lost everything in '08 and came back and realized I went through the oil spill. I was done with worrying about crashes and stuff. When when the uh, when the pandemic hit, I was like, here we go. You know, um, this is this is another thing. So um, we, we were down pretty much like the rest of the country, down about 20 percent transaction wise during that month and a half that we were completely shut down. You know, we had about 20 percent of people. Uh, well, we had 80 percent of the same amount of people write contracts and go under contract on stuff. That was the most amazing thing, wasn't it? During the during the complete shutdown. Okay, we still had 80% of the same amount of closing. So we had 20, about 20% back out of contracts, but 80% still closed. And then we had 80% of the same amount of people from that same period the year before actually write contracts and negotiate and ratify deals. I mean, that, that's just amazing because here we are in this, you know, 100-year scare of a pandemic. Nobody understands what's going on. There's a lot of uncertainty with the financial markets and life in general, if this thing's going to kill everybody or whatever, no human, human contact. And people are still writing contracts and doing deals and putting stuff under, under contract. It was like the craziest thing I've ever seen, but it just goes to show you how resilient the real estate market is and how solid of a business that we're in um, and how much job security you have as a real estate agent. Um, you know, that nothing like that was mother nature, dude. Like you can't take the market down. It's going to find a way to close deals, you know, to, to, to go under, you know, it, how did banks and title companies adjust that quick to get 80% of the same amount of deals closed and no human to human contact um, and get deals under contract? Show It's nuts. Um, so I did a video. It was like, um, it was late April. And I was like, we're fixing to see the largest real estate surge we've ever seen. This is when we're still locked in our houses as a country. Well, why did I think that? How did I know that? Well, I didn't know it. I, I, um, I assumed it and uh, I had a feeling about it because when you see a market go down in transactions, especially that quick, I know based on experience that that's just building pinned up demand. And that, and that when we get to the other side, it's going to explode like an atomic bomb. Now, did I understand the dynamics between printing money and stimulus and everything else that happened that actually created you know, the actual amazing, you know, surge that we saw. No, I didn't realize that was going to happen at the time. But just the fundamentals of the real estate market, I knew that we were going to see a surge of real estate deals. And so I was excited. Um, you know, I think I closed two deals, two or three during that shutdown 
I had a bunch of people fall out of contract. I closed a couple and it was like, man, we're down low. But I was thinking in the back of my head, it's okay. We're fixing to see some serious business flow through. It's the same thing I'm thinking now. You know, when, when we're seeing these transactions go down, the demand is still there. You know, people still want houses. They just kind of got knocked off um, of being able to because of interest rates and uh, the combination of high prices and high rates. Um, but, you know, I don't know if you still sell now, but earlier this year, when we were at that five and a half percent 30 year fix for like two months or whatever, however long that little stretch was, we're kind of hovered around five and a half. That was heavenly. I mean, you know, buyers were able to kind of breathe for a second. Sellers were still getting amazing prices. We were still selling things. I mean, that we weren't getting 30 offers in, a, in an hour. We were getting two offers in a week. Um, things were great. That was an amazing little moment right there. It's like, man, if it could stay right here, this would be heaven on earth for the whole market. Buyers, yeah. sellers, agents, investors, everybody. And that's where we're headed now. Um, next year, at some point, we're going to hit five and a half-ish, I, I assume. I'm assuming that. I don't know anything, but I would think that we're going to hit somewhere in there. It's going to come back down. If not, next year, the year after. We're, it's going to come back down. And when it hits in that five range, you know, under six, we're in the low sixes now, we're going to be at a lower price point when we do hit that than we were several months ago when we were at that five and a half percent interest rate. So we're going to get into this market where we're going to be in this. And this is what I'm hoping. This is what I'm, this is what I'm dreaming of right here. Okay. Aaron, that we get into a market where we're at this five and a half, you know, percent 30 year fixed and prices are lower than they were last time we saw five and a half percent 30 year fixed. And it's going to be even more heavenly than it was, you know, then, but yeah, no, nah, man, when the pandemic hit, I, uh, I just cut my head on straight and just kind of looked at the situation like, okay, things are fixing to really bust open, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I had like 13 deals. I had like 10 of them, you know, dropped the contract and, um, you know, yeah, so it, it, it wasn't the most fun I can tell you, but you know, you just have to stay calm. You know, too many people freak out. So it's just a great point that when you think about how quickly transactions came back then, because by May transactions had picked up a lot, and the you know, and people were were kind of back in, and it was a lot harder to do deals, and that does show kind of some of the resilience of the real estate market and where that demand comes from. Other stuff pushed demand later, and people wanting there was all these external forces, but maybe one of the biggest forces was just there was no transactions for a few months, so that pent up demand starts building up even more, you know, you started with talking about how, you know, real estate, I think, I think real estate and, and people getting licensed and real estate agents, it's like one of the best, best businesses in the world to start for somebody because the barrier to entry is like taking that test. And there are some of the expenses. I know some people that like, you know, they should have memberships at like eight MLSs and they only have one because they want to save some money or they're trying to figure out, you know, what to do, but you can make the income of the doctor or a lawyer. Um, with the, with the, not, I mean, you don't even need to have a high school degree, you know, the, uh, but, but it's the equivalent of being able to, to start and learn and so much of that mindset stuff. I think the, uh, I think today's interview has been great. I think for our listeners, it's, um, you know, over the last month, we're getting to share so many different perspectives of statistics of some markets that are, 
you know, of people that are going, you know, transaction changes and people that are saying it's going to be bad. You know, people are going to say it's going to be, be able to worse as we're trying to just give the real, you know, news out there and show people how to succeed. The most important part of any down anything is how are we going to succeed? How are we going to push through? And that was the biggest reason I want to get Ricky on here today was because that's what I've seen on your social media more than anything. So I can tell you, I pull, I did my weekly email that I do every Wednesday since 2007 um, to my real estate clients. And um, so I, 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 you know, once a month or two, I'll really, you know, deep dive into the, the data of my MLS. Mm -hmm. So right now we are up uh, over 100,000 uh, average price wise um, year over year. And that's not just December to this December. This is all year last year and then all year this year. Um, condos are up from the average price of 508 to 616. And houses are up from 647 to 706. Transactions on condos are down 18%, but only down 3% um, on single family homes. Um, you know, that's my local market here Gulf Shores, Orange Beach. Um, you know, so, I mean, you look at the 3% down on single family homes and you think, okay, you know, prices are up from 650 to 706. Prices on condos, the average price is up 100,000 from last year. It's just like, man, guys, this, this is just like an, an incredible. And what everybody needs to do is go into their MLS. I, I urge everyone to go to their MLS and, and instead of complaining and crying and, um, you know, worrying, go there and look at how many closings are happening every single day, you know, and multiply that times two because that's two opportunities to represent a buyer or a seller on every deal and realize there's that many opportunities in your market every single day of people that are actually executing deals, not to mention the ones that are just looking around or make an offer and don't go under contract or back out of deal. These are people that actually closed the deal. And this is business that is happening right in your market. I think too many agents don't really pay attention to MLS and what's really happening. And, and I, I, I was a victim of that back in 2005 when I got out of the business. I didn't realize you know, that um, deals were still happening. I was in this mindset of, oh God, you know, the sky is falling and you know, nothing's happening and I got to go do something else to pay my bills when I could have sat right there and continued crushing it. I just didn't realize, you know, that it was the power of relationships and branding and the market itself is, is like mother nature. But yeah, man, um, no, it, it has been a good interview. Yeah. Well, for any of the people that want to come, you know, follow along with what you're doing beyond this, the, I'm, I'm assuming Instagram is the best way for people to find you. It really is. I answer all my messages there and uh, all my links are in my bio for all my different platforms and, you know, all my stuff. So, and plus I post four or five times a day on Instagram, videos, reels, quotes, um, stuff like that. So that's cool. the best place to get and connect and keep up with me. Yeah. Well, real estate rock stars, you heard it from Ricky. So it's Ricky Carruth. He's over at Instagram. I'm Aaron Amuchastegui. Uh, come reach out to us on there. Both of us, we, we message people back. You know, we answer our DMs. We provide content. Uh, we try to really you know, provide value out there. That's the most fun. I was telling Ricky before we started recording, I have the most fun on social media, getting to try to provide value and then getting to meet the people that I did it with. So, Ricky, thanks for joining me on the show today. No, absolutely, bro. I, I enjoy it. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, we'll do it again soon. Real Estate Rockstars, thanks for listening. 
All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully, you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also, we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients, and we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there, too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.